Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to the first A Double Date with Dateline of 2022. Oh, my goodness. I've been writing 21 in every single label for every episode we've recorded in 2022. (laughs) We're off to a good start. Goldfish brain no more. Yep. We'll get there by March. You'll get there. Thank you. We are doing a different episode. We are not doing a Blood Relatives. We're taking a respite from Blood Relatives, but we'll be back. Does it help that there is a connection to Blood Relatives in this episode that we're covering? I thought there was. Oh, there's a big one. And I know exactly what it is. If you can believe it. That's amazing. Okay, I'm really excited. Uh Uh-huh. So this episode is called, well, it's a show called Married with Secrets. And it's the first episode of the show, season one, episode one, called Dr. Deception. Are we whispering deception? No, I just think it sort of hints at that. I don't feel like you, it's not a word you would shout like deception. I feel like you'd be like, you might. Deception. Like if you were in a fight, if you were in a telenovela, you'd be like, deception. Deception. If that, I don't know if that's the right word. Oh yeah, and pound a fist and like knock over a wine bottle. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Yeah. So this episode, we start in 1999 in Brooklyn and Dr. Jean-Claude Dominique is on his flip phone because we are in the 90s, getting dressed and heading out to meet someone at night when he is hit by a car and the actor has to do some quality rolling on the ground acting. I was pretty impressed. It was good. It was good. Like, I don't know if, I don't think they hired an extra stuntman to do this. This is ID. He's athletic. You can tell he's extremely athletic and probably was like, no, I'm fine. I'll do it. I can do it. Show me what I'm doing and probably was really good at it because it looked good. The car drives away and a guy who happened to see the accident runs over and is like, man, are you alive? which I thought was the funniest thing to shout at someone that's been hit by a car. Not, are you okay? Are you alive? Because I guess they only have to answer, they can answer anything and you'll know the answer is yes. They. It's to the point. It's to the point. He's a New Yorker and he's such a New Yorker. We hear from him later and he might be my favorite person in the episode. (laughs) So the opening credits for this show are a lot They're very chaotic, much like the Blood Relatives opening. It's a lot of really quick, fast shots of things happening. We see a wedding. We see a man screaming and glass breaking, like almost the camera lens is shattering. And we see a crow that might be the crow from The Crows Have Eyes, The Crowening. And like, why is there a crow? I don't know, but it works. And then a lot of other images, including a woman very bloody and she's getting her mugshot taken. So... That's what this show is about. It goes from wedding to someone is being arrested. Booked. Booked. To a booking. Yeah. Or And there's a crow. I love your obsession with opening credits because I did write in my notes, Kimberly's going to do the opening credits. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I want to set the scene for the people. You know, I never watch them. They're not watching the show. They're not going to watch them. Especially on these kind of shows. I just skip. I skip them. I did not skip this because I knew you were going to cover it. But normally. Were you at all like, why is there a crow? No. 
because they're all kind of the same. It's all just like sort of these flashing. It's all sort of American horror story, like jarring images, like something in a, you know, something in a jar with formaldehyde, something in a, you know, they just the crows in this one. It's probably in a few others. Same crow. So Dr. Dominique is an eligible doctor at the hospital. One day he meets a pretty nurse in a traditional nurse's hat, what I would call a traditional nurse's hat that I didn't think nurses wore in. I think we are back now. We've rewound and we are in the 80s, but I still did not think they wore those hats since like the 50s. I thought that was a nurse ratchet 60s. Yeah, maybe 60s. Period. Yeah. Her name is Elliot. Well, she says Elliot. The voiceover guy says Elliot. And it's spelled like Elliot. Yes. We have the actress herself saying Elliot. And then we have her name spelled like Elliot and the voiceover guy saying Elliot. Who knows? I'm going to say Elliot because that's how the actress did it. And do I feel like she did her research? No, I do not. But I'm still going to go with hers because it's easier to pronounce. Why don't you feel like she did her research? That's cruel. Because she's pronouncing it, I think, wrong. I feel like she asked and may have been told incorrectly. I I don't feel like that was her fault. That's possible. She asked the director and he was like, I don't care. I think someone higher up the chain was incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Maybe. So... The Elliot and Dr. Jean-Claude are doing the most awkward flirting. Like, it's so nice to meet you. I love your necklace. And then somebody walks by and they suddenly act like they were talking about sex or something. And they're like, oh, yes, please check the blood work on that patient. Business, hospital, business, doctor, nurse, business. We're not flirting. And it was like you were not talking about anything inappropriately. You said you liked her necklace. Okay. She was fondling it. She she was. Was that inappropriate? It was also, would they let you wear that necklace? As a, I feel like you would not be allowed to wear that necklace. I should have asked Kim from People Are Wild because I do feel like, A, it's very heavy necklace. I feel like it's going to weigh her down. And if she's doing compressions on someone, that's going to get in the way for sure. It's going to dangle. Yeah, it's going to dangle and might rip off someone's nose thing or make pull the trachea tube out or something just because it gets all tangled. Yeah. I don't know. Picturing a lawsuit. So they both come from Haiti. And thank goodness neither actor is attempting an accent. Very relieved on that. They start dating and they fall in love and they make out in the supply closet of the hospital, as you do. They get married and we see her in a short white dress with a short veil and a black sandal heel. But I like the short wedding dress. I'm always a fan when somebody goes for it. I do. I would get one that's short for sure. 100%. I did like that. I did not love the shoes with it at all. I did not notice the shoes. So were they that, were they real chunky? Chunky black sandal heels with chunky straps and they're black. It was odd. Anyways, they move into a condo close to the hospital. Pretty soon they have two kids. He gets a promotion at a nearby hospital and Elliot decides to quit nursing to focus on raising the kids. So now he's working alone at a different hospital. In 1993, they move out of Brooklyn and they move to a huge house on Long Island to spread out and raise their family. And they do that thing in front of the house where she's like, 
I love you, Dr. Dominique. And he's like, I love you, Mrs. Dominique, that married people on TV always do. Have you ever done that? Mm. No. Not even once. No, and I would also not do what's happening here, where we're supposed to believe that he bought her a house that she's never seen the inside of. Yeah, he did the office. (laughs) He did the gym. Yeah. No, I don't believe that that happened, especially a house that size. She's never seen the inside. She's never seen it. Wow. You don't know how many bathrooms there are. You have two kids. What if it's one bath? What if it's old? (laughs) Well, she doesn't know anything about the street. What if you live next to a murderer? Has he done his due diligence? We don't know. What if it has wasps? Yeah. Wasp nests. I don't know. I had one window in my house that just had so many wasps dead on the sill. And I was like, where were they coming from? And how did they die? That is Amityville horror for sure. Like 30 wasps. I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. And I lived, I, but I lived there. <laughs> I'm concerned. All right, go ahead. Over the next 10 years, which doesn't add up if you're trying to do the math and make it make sense, you can't make it make sense that from 1993 to 1999, when he gets hit by the car, is 10 years. So that's okay. ID, they're not known for their fact checking. That's okay. How many years? 1993 to 1997? 1999. Okay. Yeah, no, it can't get there. No, it can't get there. No. So he works hard at the hospital. Their family is flourishing. The kids are like teenagers, and which also doesn't really make sense. It's only been 10 years. Anyways, he doesn't usually make it home for family dinner because he's so busy. He comes from a huge family of 23 siblings in Haiti, and he's brought a lot of them to the States. And his younger brother, Ali, lives in New York and is close to the family. And he comes in and he's like, is there any food left for me or did my brother eat it all? And then Jean-Claude is like, very funny, bro. And they laugh. There's a lot of that sort of dialogue. They didn't seem like brothers. I didn't buy it. No, I didn't buy it either. So I don't know who was not doing a good job of making me believe that, but I didn't. They didn't seem to have a brotherly love. Mm -mm. So usually during family time, Jean-Claude gets paged and has to go to the hospital. And Elliot is used to this because they've been married for 20 years by now. (laughs) Again, timing is very confusing. Oh, boy. Have they been married for 20 years already? Okay. I don't understand. So we were in the 70s at the beginning. This is already going to go bad for me. I already admitted to the 21 on every single file. So now, oh boy. So we see him with a patient at the hospital. Was he wearing a pink medical coat or was it the lighting? I think it was the lighting. I think we're supposed to think there are red lights. Okay. It looked for sure pink though. Ambulatory lighting. Yes. He's asking a woozy man, do you know where you are? And the man says, the grocery store. And Jean-Claude smiles and says, okay, sounds good. Prep him for an IV and other medical things. And hemoglobin. I heard hemoglobin, (laughs) hemoglobin something. It started with a hema. Yeah. He lists a lot of medical things. But most importantly is that when the man says, I'm at the grocery store, even though he's at the hospital, He's like, that's great. Good job. Sounds great. Nothing to be concerned about. 
I guess we're supposed to believe that he's trying to play along to like not put this man further into shock. I don't know. He's a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe that's what you're supposed to say. Good job. You are at the grocery store. Check out an aisle. You don't check out in an aisle. I don't know. I couldn't even pretend I was at a grocery store. Check out in lane 15. Check out in lane 15. We've got a spill in aisle two. Pickles on the floor. There we go. Okay. A sale on green beans. Ew. I love green beans. I think there's always a sale on green beans, by the way. I've never seen, I've never bought a frozen vegetable at full price. I'm jealous. So I don't know. I just don't feel like there's ever good sales on green beans. Disparity where we live. Wait, fresh ones or frozen ones? I do frozen right now. Lately, I've been doing frozen. Do you do the steam bags? Because I think that's the best invention that's happened in the last 20 years. I don't do the steam bags for those, but I should try. Steam bags are real good. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So since he works crazy hours, he keeps their old condo, his and Elliot's, and he sleeps there sometimes when he's too tired to drive because he doesn't want to fall asleep at the wheel. No, he doesn't. But sometimes he doesn't just sleep. Sometimes he gets dressed in a suit and tie and gets hit by a car. So sometimes his plans are different. So when did you know what was happening here? Like, when did you figure it out? Had you already figured it out by this point? No, at the beginning, they do make it seem shady from the very beginning when he's getting dressed. It seems like he might be on the phone with somebody, but he's kind of like saying on the phone, I'm so exhausted, but then he's putting on his tie to go somewhere. So you're like, he's for sure a cheater. Okay. Yeah. He's a cheater from the beginning. So the witness, that New York guy, says he was hit by a Cadillac DeVille. Very impressive. No car blindness here. I don't know if it actually was a Cadillac DeVille that hit him because I have car blindness. I don't know. I didn't take the time to see if ID actually got a Cadillac DeVille to hit him. Did you not love that witness? He was so like, I see the car came out of nowhere. I felt like he cared that he got hit and that he could help. He was a great actor. Yeah, I liked him. I wanted to see a spinoff. I loved him very much. So they find the car abandoned blocks away. It has been reported stolen a few days before the accident. So they think it might have been an intentional hit and run. Okay. So Elliot runs into the hospital to see her husband. She runs past the admissions and she finds Jean-Claude's room. He's in a coma. And Katie is so excited right now. She's lifting up her shirt over her mouth. I'm very excited. So she rushes into the room and she sees another woman there holding Jean-Claude's hand. And she says, who are you? And then the camera goes back and forth betwixt the two ladies, like boom, with the sound effect. Boom, boom, boom. Very telenovela. Mm-hmm. Just... In your face, in your face, in your face. I thought it was so good. I thought like the dialogue was exactly what you would say. Who are you? Wait, who are you? No, I'm this. No, I'm this. I thought it was great. But the camera shot is very the Californians on Saturday Night Live. I'm not mad at it. Drama. Yeah, it's perfect. So Elliot is like, who are you? And the woman says, I'm his wife. Who are you? (gasps) Oh, And Katie would like everyone to know that she saw this coming, but we didn't want to spoil it. So good job, Katie. I'm impressed that you saw this coming. Thank you. So Elliot says, excuse me, 
I'm his wife. This is Jean-Claude Dominique. And the other woman says, yeah, this is Jean-Claude Dominique, my husband. And Elliot's like, no, my husband. And the other woman's like, no, my husband. And it's very like, that boy is mine. I'm sorry that you seem to be confused. He belongs to me. That boy is mine. Where are they? Where are Brandy and Monica? Brandy's doing great. I see her on stuff. What's Monica doing? Don't know. I'm sure she's doing fine. Questions. Questions. So they are just staring at each other at this point. And the other woman says, I don't know what kind of game you're playing, but could you just leave? Which is like, this is a terrible game that is called pretend to be married to the man in a coma. It's all the rage at game nights. What kind of game would this be? So Elliot says, I don't know who you are, but I am Mrs. Elliot Dominique. And we have been married for 20 years and we have two children together. And the other woman says, oh, I know exactly who you are. You got divorced from him 17 years ago and we've been married ever since. We have two kids together. Oh, oh my God. Case ah, Scandalique. I cannot. Dominique is Scandalique. Yes. Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> so the doctor comes in and is like, ladies, calm down. It's very like kitties retract your claws from this cat fight. The doctor is not matching the energy in the room and brings the whole scene down. I'm just going to state it. I'm sorry. I'm sure you're fine, person, human, but you needed to come in at the intensity of the two women in the scene. Also, don't tell these women to calm down or you're going to get cut. You're about to get yeah hit with a purse. Get ready. It's going to hurt. Yeah. So the doctor is like, I need to save this man's life. Which one of you is the wife? Because apparently... I need to know in order to save his life, which one of you is married to him. And at the same time, they both say, I am. And it was like, Jinx, buy me a Coke. It was. <laughs> so Betsy, the other woman, her name is Betsy. She produces a marriage certificate. Unsure if she had it on her or she went home to get it. I'm hoping she doesn't carry it around. <laughs> what if it's like in a frame in her purse? We No, it better not be. It's like a giant handbag. Yeah. It's a big tote. She's like, I also have my college diploma in here, also framed. It's a Kimberly tote. It's a Kimberly tote. <laughs> I love a big bag. You know that you, you would carry something like that. You know, you'd put it in for something specific and never take it out. I'd be like, here's my bat mitzvah certificate framed. <laughs> and it's just when I open up my purse, it's like, click, clack, click, clack, because it's all the frames. And I'm just going through them like a file cabinet. <laughs> Perfect attendance. <laughs> and I'm trying to like get my money to pay at the supermarket. And then I'm like, I can't seem to, hmm, here is my, oh gosh, that's my, when my brother graduated eighth grade. I have his in here in a frame. Did you, do you need that? No? Oh, you want money for the green beans. I see. I see. 
No one wants, oh, for the green beans that are not on sale. Wait, okay, hold on. Here's what I think happened. We're in the 90s, right? So faxing. Faxing, maybe. Just the facts, ma'am. So I think she probably called one of her kids and is like, can you pull that down from the frame Mm. and fax it to the hospital? That's how she produced it. She was just not messing around. And Elliot was not thinking that fast. No, Betsy beat her to the punch. On a few things. Yeah. So the doctor is like, okay, well, we have proof here that Betsy is the wife. She is now in charge of his medical decisions. Ma'am, Elliot, I'm afraid you're going to have to leave. Poor Elliot is mumbling to herself. I'm Mrs. Dominique. I am Mrs. Dominique. Like she's been brainwashed and she's trying to convince herself, remind herself who she is. Like Orphan Black. It is. It fully yes, is. It's very. She's like shaking back and forth. I'm Mrs. Dominique. I'm Mrs. It's very sad. So for, I mean, the shock. I cannot imagine the shock at this moment. Your husband has been hit by a car, is in a coma. And there's, I can't even. So- for the next month, Jean-Claude stays in a coma and Elliot still visits when Betsy isn't around. I didn't know if she was skulking around in the corridors or if she's tipped off an orderly to text. Well, she can't text to like call her when Betsy leaves so she can come in. Number two. Number two. Number one and number two, both, all of the above. So Jean-Claude is in limbo between life and death between his two wives. And we see both of them at his bedside in a split screen, like the movie Sliding Doors. It was very dramatic. So the man that's being interviewed is saying he's super into the drama of it. And I loved him. He's like, how frustrating it must have been for Elliot not to confront Jean-Claude and say, what the heck is this all about? I loved him. And he says, heck, and I loved him. This is his Thanksgiving story, by the way, every year. Oh, 100%. Every year. Parties. What? This is the story because this is wild. And I wouldn't even care if he was my uncle and he brought it out at every party. I would sit there with my hand under my chin. Just tell me again. I want to hear it all again. So Elliot turns to Jean-Claude's brother, Ali, and he admits he knew about Betsy. <gasps> oh, no. He apparently, Betsy and Jean-Claude were childhood sweethearts back in Haiti. And they reconnected in New York. And Ali is very mad that he's being confronted on this by Elliot. And he says, it's my brother's business. I can't speak for him. Well, a, you have to because he's in a coma. Yeah. And B, you are a dirty dog that you knew this whole time. I mean, I know he's your brother and she's just your sister-in-law, but that's not right. He, you could have hinted. You could have hinted. You could have somehow led her to it without leading her to it. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we rewind and 17 years earlier... In the early 80s, so we're now at a really lame discotheque with the 10 extras and they are dancing to no music. I know. I so wanted it to be no, 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 no balloons. <laughs> I, I just made it in my head. They didn't even bother to put any beat in, like nothing. There's no music playing in the club in the 80s. And Betsy and Jean-Claude are reconnecting and they're doing stupid flirting and laughing where nothing they're saying is funny, but they're laughing hysterically. (laughs) 
can't stand it. This dialogue is so, she's like, when are we going to (laughs) dance? And then they laugh. It's not funny. It was a question. (laughs) I don't like that. God help your next date. God help him. (laughs) (laughs) So just no frivolous laughter from you. You either earn it. Nothing. Or there's no laugh. (laughs) I won't. I'm not going to give you a pity laugh. I'm sorry. No. And nor should you. Good for you. I'm not going to. I don't do it for you and I won't do it for him. The invisible guy I'm on a date with. I have my suspicions that you've done it for me, but I can't prove it. So go ahead. No, it's always genuine. I'm always in a really good mood when we record. I'm actually genuinely laughing. Maybe when we're not recording, I won't give you a pity laugh. Oh, never. No. No, I don't think I do. So Betsy and Jean-Claude get married and they start a family. Two kids. They buy a house in New Jersey. He's having two separate, secret, parallel lives and kind of identical. We can't go on holding on so tight. Did you think I was not going to sing Separate Lives by Phil Collins? Because you were wrong. I did. Is that maybe that's not the song I'm thinking of. But for now, we'll go on living separate lives. Okay, that is the song I was thinking of. And you're, yeah, I'm thinking of that one. And then there's also a journey song that I believe is called Separate Ways. So Jean-Claude tells them that he is staying at the condo when he's with the other woman. When he is working, I do not know. He has time to work too. None of them went to the condo at any point in 17 years to surprise him though. That is what surprises me the most. Your husband is saving lives. He's a hot doctor. And you never pop in with a casserole to like cook him dinner after a very long shift. They have kids. They have kids. I guess they're busy. Yeah. But here's the real question. But you wouldn't take the kids over to the condo and be like, we're going to go to Brooklyn. Then we're all going to go to a show the next. I don't know. Yeah. Nothing. Here's the real question. You have a secret family and you live in three locations. Which location do you keep your pros at? All. All. You take the online quiz three times. Yes. As three separate people with different middle initials. With different answers. <laughs> but each place might have a different zip code and might have different hair needs. How about you buy yourself some little travel bottles and transfer it? Okay, you could do that too. That'll work. Because honestly, for a lot of us, stress is just a regular feature of daily life which is why we look to companies like pros. And for the couples in this, <laughs> stress doesn't even begin to cover it. And when it gets intense during certain periods of your life, like say when you find another woman <laughs> who's also married to your husband, uh, that kind of stress can trigger physical reactions like dramatically increased hair shedding and thinning. Uh-huh. Also, you might start just pulling it out yourself. Mm-hmm. And what's wild is that people usually lose about 50% of their hair before they even notice that there's been an increase in shedding, which is a crazy number. And I've been staring at my drain since I read it, trying to figure (laughs) out if it's me. And I think it's me. And now there's a way to stop stress-related hair loss in its tracks and spark new, stronger growth. And that's with pros. Pros specializes in custom hair care, and now they make custom hair supplements that can reduce excess shedding and spark fuller, thicker hair growth with just two capsules a day. 
through an online consultation, Pros customizes your supplements to address all the factors that could be triggering your hair issues. It could be age, hormonal changes, again, stress levels, diet, and more. Pros supplements use only natural, clean, safe ingredients, not drugs or hormone disruptors. All the formulas are toxicologist approved, gluten-free and vegan, and they really work. Multiple studies show that over 90% of women taking Pros hair supplements saw less shedding, more growth, and improved overall appearance in just 90 days. What are you waiting for? New hair due in 2022. Try your own custom hair supplements and you'll get 15% off at Pros. Just check out pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off custom hair supplements. Amazing. Strike a pros. Pros, pros, pros. I know I'm going to be keeping my Bombas socks at all of my secret polygamy pads and in my car and in my purse because you need to be covered at all times. Welcome to my life. Bombas's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. So far, Bombas has donated over 50 million items to those in need. That is incredible. Everything Bombas makes is soft, seamless, tagless. So you're not going to have that itching and scratching that drives you crazy. Bombas uses materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cozy cashmere, which is hard to say. But it's the best. But it is luxurious and reminds me of that old Seinfeld episode where everyone is obsessed with cashmere. And I guarantee you only three people know what episode I'm talking about. It's a really old episode. There are the OG Bombas socks in a bunch of different styles and cuts. My favorite are the ankle length performance socks. They hug and support your feet and your arches in a way that's unlike any other sock I have ever used. I'm obsessed with the rainbow pride ones that Katie gave me for the holidays. Literally best gift ever. I think it was my favorite gift. I'm really excited about them. Yes. They're so cute and so comfy. Bombas also has incredibly perfect t-shirts and underwear that are soft and they fit. I don't know how they do this with all of their products that come out. They just nail them and it's amazing. Good design, good materials, and a good strong message. Mm-hmm. Go to bombas.com slash date dateline and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date dateline for 20% off. Bombas.com slash date dateline. Bombas, 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 bombas. <laughs> Thank you, Bombas. You're the bombas.com is. Thank you, Bombas. So Jean-Claude is doing a great job juggling wives for 17 years. He pulls it off. It is challenging at times for him. They show a scene where Betsy comes and visits him at the hospital and says, it's Jackson's soccer game. We're waiting out front. And he says, "Okay, give me five minutes. And then Elliot comes up behind him and covers his eyes. And she's like, surprise, I want to take you to dinner. And he says, I'm slammed at soccer. I mean, work. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, bummer. And then my question now is no one at his work at the hospital 
are they just watching this love triangle? They're very threes company esque scenes happening where one wife gets pushed out and then the other one gets one guest to duck behind a couch and then the other one pops in and like they're just watching it for their own amusement or are they just not paying attention? I think it's also I think he was well respected and I think you don't ask questions and I think everybody talked about it. Have you seen his wife? And then it's like, no, describe her. And then two people describe two different people. I think it's like that. That's my guess. I don't know if that's it, but. (laughs) Have you seen his wife? And then you'd be like, wait, which wife do you mean? (laughs) And when a newcomer comes in, they're like, oh, we got to give you the gossip about Jean-Claude Dominique. There's two Mrs. Dominique. Yeah, but never, never ask him. Don't ask questions. Never say anything because it's very secretive because he's well-respected. So everyone just sort of, it's just gossip. Yeah. So an interviewer says that people that have multiple lives are narcissistic, manipulative. I was more impressed that they have a lot of energy because he is a full-time doctor saving people's lives and asking people if they are in the grocery store or not. He has two houses to maintain, two families, four children. I cannot keep a succulent alive. Literally just killed a succulent. That's not true. Did you kill a succulent? Just killed a succulent. Did you just leave it? Did you forget about it? I forgot about it. That's not right. So I don't know how he's maintaining all of this, but he is. We see him having dinner with both families, like a montage. He's praying over dinner. He's very religious. Drinking wine. He's drinking wine. And he's like, thank you, God, for my family. And then I wanted him to mumble under his breath families or he's like thank you god for my family (laughs) he mumbles an s i do you kind of wish they'd gone into the psychology of this more because they start they i mean they talk about it a little with being narcissistic but i was really like why would someone want to do this why is this fun being a dad is hard why would you want to do it with two families Well, this is the one thing that we've talked about before when someone on Dateline cheats and they cheat with someone who has kids. It always blows my mind because it's like you're actively taking on more responsibility in your cheating. Right. Why are you doing that? Like Scott Peterson, you know, maybe killed his pregnant wife and then was sleeping with someone who also had a kid. He was convicted. He was convicted. I can say that. Twice. Yeah. So... It's it. I don't understand it. But the way they kind of made it sound was like he had a fantasy about home life and being a family man. So he literally once wasn't enough for him. So he did it twice. It's almost like he has a sim. Oh, he's like sim Jean-Claude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real life Jean-Claude. And it's like when Dwight has the the sim guy that is also works as assistant to the regional manager paper company. I don't do well with that one. That one makes me sad for Dwight. It's the same as him because he loves his life so much. So he like has it be exactly the same. So maybe it's like that. Unsure. I have a lot of questions. I would love to talk to someone whose dad did this and had another family. What were they like at home? Right. Because a lot of times, isn't it some of these stories like nobody ever knows and they're shocked when they find out because he's such a good dad or such a good... You know, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Meanwhile, Cody on Sister Wives is an open polygamist and he is failing on all fronts with all of his families. Well, that's because he only likes the one, right? Yeah. Sorry, I could tell that from watching two episodes. No, that's accurate. But the secret polygamy is very strange. And unfortunately, Jean-Claude is in a coma, so they can't really ask more. So we're back to his hit and run now. There are prints in the car, but they can't be matched against a suspect. And after a month in the hospital, Jean-Claude passes away. So the sad part about this is obviously he's leaving two families, but the worst part is that he never really has to answer to either lady and explain and face the wrath of these two women. So boo, boo. The death certificate lists Betsy, wifey number two, as the next of kin. So Elliot is saying, what about me? What about me and my kids? Who's going to take care of us? And she's crying. She's packing up the Brooklyn condo. And she finds a divorce decree that is signed by her. Nope. I cannot. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. And not like she had a psychotic break and signed a divorce decree. It has been forged by him, she believes, because she's like, I never signed this. I thought we were happy. He never once mentioned getting a divorce. I thought we were in love. That may be sad. She's like, I didn't know he thought our marriage was over. No, he didn't. You're missing the point. Yeah. No, he didn't. He wanted to keep the marriage with you. Someone explain to her what's happening here because he didn't want to divorce you. The point was to have two and the way he could have two was to fake your divorce. Yeah. But the worst part I feel like about this is that the papers say that she's the one who asked for the divorce. That's cruel. That's messed up. Yeah. I mean, he probably thought she was never going to see them, but it's still the whole thing's horrible. But it's still what a weird thing to do. Then why say it was her? Psychotic. If she's never going to see them, why do you need to do? It's weird. Okay. So she's looking at his photo in a frame, one of the frames from my purse. And she's (laughs) saying, how could you do this? And then she kind of clasps it to her bosom. And I thought she was going to throw it down. And then I realized ID can't afford another frame. Hey. But she just instead clasps it. So then she learns that Betsy has taken Betsy with the good hair has taken control of his finances. So she goes to a lawyer, Elliot does, to try to get acknowledged as the one true wife now that she has this paperwork. So the lawyer brings in a handwriting expert who is this dude with a ponytail who kind of does look like he might be an expert in handwriting and Battlestar Galactica. Pokemon? Yeah, he's was he was excellent. I was really excited about him. Also, who is he? Is he a character actor? That must be his shtick, right? Yeah, I guess. He's very specific looking. He's a very specific looking guy. Yeah. I bet he gets a decent amount of work. Yeah. No, totally. I like it. He has an angle. Mm -hmm. And that angle is his ponytail. Oh, and his little, he has a little. (laughs) The little, the little tufts of hair above his lip that want to be a little mustache. Like in The Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya. Yeah. <laughs> you, you killed my father. Should I? Yeah. So in front of Elliot and the lawyer, he does the signature test, which you don't feel like is real. But right in front of them, he pulls out a magnifying glass and he has her sign her name. And then he's full on J.B. Fletcher looking through the magnifying glass saying, 
oh, I see some key differences here. Yes, this is deliberate. And the way you write your D's are very different. And this is completely forged. Like five seconds, test is over. He did it right in front of them. So then we get a rewind of sorts. It's an imagined flashback. What are you laughing at? So so what can I do for you? Yeah. Okay. So this is an imagined flashback. They, again, have no idea what happened because he is gone now. So they are imagining what happened. He would need to have a woman go with him to the notary to get to sign the divorce papers. So he shows up to this scummy office with this random lady that he maybe hired, unsure. And he sees this scummy notary who says in like the thickest accent, what can I do for you? <laughs> like, Okay, I have to stop here and tell you really quick. I mentioned Joe Frost in our last episode. I'm going to mention her again. Obviously, I've been watching Super Nanny on YouTube. There we go. And... It's calming. Her her accent's very soothing to me. The whole thing is very soothing. But there was one couple from Manhattan and they lived in an apartment and they had two children in an apartment in Manhattan. And the dad, the kids, are, of course, are like wild running and the child's having a tantrum. And he's like, my my plan is just distraction. And you see him interact with the kid and, and the kid's screaming on the couch and he's like, hot dog, hot dogs, hot dogs. Hey, you want a hot dog? <laughs> I said, the next time we're fighting, you need to distract me. Hey, hot dogs, hot dogs. You want a hot dog? Hot dogs, hot dogs. <laughs> hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. You want a hot dog? <laughs> Fresh off the cart, hot dog. You want some mustard? I got some onions. What do you want, your hot dog? I got to send you the clip. I was, I rewound it 50 times. <laughs> He's just shrugging at the kid who's screaming on the couch. Hot dog, hot dog. <laughs> couldn't handle it. Anyways, uh, this is this lawyer was that. Yeah. It was so put on. This actor clearly did not have an accent and was doing like the most played up Bugsy Malone version. Wow. What can I do for yous? Like he said it like yous. Y-U-Z-E. Yes. What can I do for yous? Yous twos. Use tooth. And so Jean-Claude says, well, my wife here and I are going to be divorcing. And the notary says, that's a shame. She's a stunner. This guy. <laughs> Do you think they told him to take it down a notch or they he needed to amp it up? What was his note? He got one. He got a note. It's so comedic and they don't really play this show up like it's supposed to be comedic. So I feel like the note was probably to take it down, but he only knows to go at 11. He only knows 11. He can't do it at a two or a three. He had been practicing it for weeks in the mirror. He he clearly like just graduated from Tish. This is the break. Like we gotta go in gangbusters. He thinks he's in death of a salesman or something and he needs to project to the last row. No, this is TV. He just did Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. 100. <laughs> Divorce decrees are for closers. <laughs> that was my Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That was very good. If anyone would like to hear our two woman version of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you can check that out on our Patreon. <laughs> Coming soon. Oh my God. It's going to be good. 
I'm probably doing the Alec Baldwin hosting Saturday Night Live version of Glengarry Glen Ross when he is. That sounds right. Sand, or he's the head of the elves and they're making their toys. Yes, I know it. That sounds right. It's really funny. Okay. So he says, that's a shame. She's a stunner. At least you can be in the same room. My ex and I, no way. I had to sell my darn jet skis to pay for those darn attorney's fees. And I just remember this scene is imagined by the people involved in this case and by the people writing this show. They have no idea what happened in this scenario, yet they have taken these liberties and created this backstory for this notary guy that he got divorced and had to sell his jet skis. And they've gone so far deep with this imagined character that we don't even know if he existed in real life. Which again is leading me to the fact that those lines were not provided in the script. And the actor said, (laughs) I'm going to improv this. I think Willie, who's his character name, I think Willie would have a brother with jet skis like (laughs) Pam's boyfriend that she almost marries. And they have to like sell the jet skis because he busts up the bar. Yeah, Roy. Yeah. Roy, that's it. Anyways, I think he's come up with this whole backstory for Willie that involves, do a lot of people in New York have jet skis? I don't don't know. Where are they going jet skiing? On the Hudson? I just, okay, I have a lot of questions. It's fine. (laughs) They go to the shore. They go to the Hamptons or they go to the Jersey Shore. Where are you storing jet skis? In Manhattan. Okay, cool. I do not know. They have storage units and they have garages where you leave your car for like months at a time in case you have a car. And jet skis. And jet skis. Cool. So Jean-Claude is like, that's amazing about your jet skis. So sorry to hear that. But we're kind of in a hurry. Can we just sign? And the notary asks for their driver's license and just not even look at them, not even checking that this is in fact Elliot. And then the woman signs the paper so slowly and deliberately, it takes like five minutes to sign her name. And the notary doesn't think that's weird in the slightest, that she's like doing one letter at a time, just so precisely. He stamps it and says, okay, the ball and chain is gone. He says it in front of the wife, in front of the ball and chain. He says she's gone. No, isn't that ball and chain can be either? I think it's more like you're separated. Well, so, okay, so your both respective balls and chains are gone. Usually the wife is considered the ball and chain. Also, I feel like that has very poor taste for this couple. The ball and chain is usually the wife that I feel like it's a very sexist way to refer to the wife, especially in the 80s. It was the wife. It's not nice. Well, then this guy's on use use lawyer. <laughs> He's on my bad list. This notary. This notary. So 15 months after Jean-Claude dies, a judge issues a ruling in Elliot's case. He's another character actor. And he says he's very short and choppy with his words. No, he Shatner's it. William Shatner. It is clear that Elliot did not sign the divorce decree. So she is the legal wife. And Elliot is super happy. Betsy is super pissed. So Jean-Claude's assets were huge. 
one of his life insurance policies was for over a million dollars. And all of his kids, all four, get a share of his assets, but Betsy doesn't get anything. And Elliot gets a lot because she's the legal wife now. So Betsy and Jean-Claude had shared the deed to their New Jersey house, but Elliot now gets his share. And she decides to be nice and give the house to Betsy to be nice. That's the right thing to do because the other wife also got screwed. She didn't know you were married and married him. She thought you were divorced because there were divorce papers. Yeah. So it was very nice of Elliot to do that. She doesn't act so generously elsewhere. It turns out that the doctor, Jean-Claude, owned another building in Brooklyn. And Betsy and Jean-Claude's brother, Ali, were in business together. And Ali turned the building into a beauty supply slash money transmittal store, which sounds like the shadiest thing I've ever heard of. It sounds like inedible arrangements. It doesn't really exist. It is a front for something. I would like to know what, but I think it was. Do you think it was? Beauty supply, money transferring? A beauty supply and money transferring. That is so bizarre to me and sounds super shady. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I've also been to a few super suspicious beauty supply stores. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure you have. Yeah, they're fun. There's definitely stuff going on in some of them. Because some of them have very few beauty supplies. It's interesting. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So Elliot decides to sell this property, which leaves Betsy with even less. So now Betsy is really only getting the house. Elliot goes back to work as a nurse. One morning, she goes out to her car and is shot by a couple of masked men. So if you thought the crime was the hit and run or you thought the crime was the secret bigamy, it is. this is actually another crime. Yeah. She is shot. She manages to run inside. She's hit three times, twice in the head, but she's screaming for help and she survives, which is incredible. Wow. She's shot twice in the head. So she survives with only a minor head wound because she turned her head slightly before she was hit and that saved her life. Perfect. So they have her under guard at the hospital because they feel like this was a targeted attack towards her. So then enter a detective who I am 99% sure was on blood relatives. And I'm right. You would be correct. And he's a very important member of the blood relatives family. Because why? Is he the pig guy? He is. Oh, my God. I can confirm your suspicions. He is the guy who steps on the pig in Arizona. Yep. He's polishing his real estate sign and he steps back. And in the brush, there's that giant fake pig head. Yeah. Something about going hog wild. And he steps back on a pig statue head. And the grass. Amazing. Yeah, that's him. He gets work a lot. This is, I think, the third time we've seen him, at least. Yeah. Because I feel like we saw him again recently in something else, in another Blood Relatives. Well, he's kind of perfect for a bunch of different stuff. I get it. He's that guy. Generic, pretty good looking white guy. In his, at like, he's age like 40. So it's perfect for a bunch of things. But could also probably play 30s. Yeah, absolutely. So sort of big age range and then sort of just, uh, yeah, 
sort of light brown hair. I don't. Yeah. A knockoff Bill Pullman. Yeah. There you go. Because he could be warm like that, Mm -hmm. but he could also play a Wall Street guy that's very cold. So I feel like he has a range. Yeah, we should find out about him. We are fans. (laughs) If you know anything about that guy. We've liked him since the first time we saw him on Blood Relatives. If anybody knows this guy, maybe he knows too much. Does it, has anyone have eyes on this guy? I'm worried <laughs> about his safety at this point. He's been in a lot of ID shows. I just, I, I have questions for him. I would love for him to come on and talk to us. I would love it. And give us all the dirt. I would love it. So she says, or he says, who would have it out for you, Elliot? And she says, well, I lost my husband last year and there's been a lot of drama, which is... Way to undersell it, Elliot. Wow. You can't write this drama. And so she says, you know, I've had a lot of problems with my brother-in-law, Ali. And she calls him Ale or Ali. Like they all say his name differently. Ali. She says it like Prince Ali. Prince Ali. Mm -hmm. So she says he wanted a huge, grandiose funeral for his brother, Jean-Claude. He wanted seven limos and a bunch of other stuff. He wanted her to fly in a bunch of family from Haiti for the funeral. And she said, I can't afford that. And he says, my brother was a doctor. What do you mean you can't afford it? This isn't all about you, Elliot. He had two wives, Ali. Calm down. Two wives. And you're mad at her for not wanting to spend a fortune on this funeral? I was so... Mad. Also, it's hard to take a grown man in Argyle seriously in an Argyle short sleeve sweater standing in your kitchen. It's hard to take him seriously. He seems like a jokester. Yeah. Who's not golfing. Yeah. Agreed. So he said he had 22 brothers and sisters. He had four kids. I'm going to make sure he has the service he deserves. He had two wives. He was a proper bigamist and I'm going to make sure he gets the Funeral he deserves, an upstanding secret polygamist service. But he said that people worship him in Haiti. They like think he's amazing. Because he got out and he got really successful as a doctor. And he got maybe in Haiti, multiple wives are very, that means you're very prosperous. I'm not sure. Apologies to anyone in Haiti if I'm wrong. I don't think anyone knew. I think it was a secret. It was definitely a secret. Well, Ollie knew. Maybe. I think he kind of, I think that's what it is, by the way, the psychology. I think he kind of gets off on the secret element of it, the hiding. I think people in Haiti knew because Betsy was a childhood sweetheart from Haiti and their families were good friends. Well, we find out that. We find out a little bit about the funeral. So we do find out that Betsy was the wife that went. Yeah. So Ollie plans the whole funeral, cuts Elliot completely off of the planning of the funeral. And he turns the whole family against her. A cousin calls her and says, you aren't the true wife. Betsy is the true wife. We don't want you at the funeral. So the family has clearly all chosen Betsy as the wife and her kids as the kids. And that's horrible. Like Elliot came first and was there longer. Also, Elliot is also, her family is from Haiti. We find that out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She wasn't born there, but whatever. Yeah. So she, they say, we don't want you at the funeral. So Elliot and her kids don't go to the funeral. And the funeral ends up costing 30 grand. And Ali asks her to pay for part of it, even though she was uninvited. 
Wow. That's some guts. I cannot. The balls of this situation. So we have told you you're not the true wife and you're not invited, but we would like you to foot the bill. Thanks. Could you just chip in? Maybe a third, maybe just 10 grand. Yeah. Wow. So police patrol the neighborhood and they see a suspicious man. His name is Alexander Exama. And right away at the police station, he immediately tells, says, I need to tell you something. Like, right away. I was hanging out with this guy, Mike, and he was hired to kill some lady and he needed a getaway driver. And we'd be getting $3,000 for the job, which feels like not enough money. And also it feels like, were they going to split it? Is the driver making an equal amount? No, I think that he was going to get 3000 each. The one guy I wound it a couple times said they would get 3000 Oh. That can't be right. Oh, times is tough. I don't like that. They offer him, this part was so weird. This is, I can't. So he's like, that's what I'm telling you. You know, Mike and I was going to be the driver. He tells them basically everything. Then the detective says, do you want water or coffee? And he says, coffee is fine. And the detective says, coffee it is. And with those magical words, Alexander says, I want to change my story. I want to tell you the truth now. Because he got offered coffee? Does he think he's best friends with the detective now? Like, I found a real friend in this detective who offered me a beverage. I just think the script, you know how (laughs) Willie, the notary, made up his own lines? Yeah. This was a case of there was a loose outline. Right. Or lines were cut last minute, but we needed more information here. Because literally it goes, coffee it is. And then his expression changes and he says, wait, I'll tell you everything now. Wait, I want to change my story. Because you offered me coffee. He's coming right back with coffee. Also, why didn't you wait, have the coffee and say, you know what? I've thought about it. I want to change my story. (laughs) Exactly. No. Well, so then he says, Mike is not really Mike. It's a Marvin. But essentially everything else I told you is true. I just changed the guy's name from an M name to another M name. I wish I could show you my notes. There's like arrows and equal (laughs) sign. I don't know how important any of these people are. So I'm sure your notes are the same, like even worse. Because I was like, wait, no, Mike is Marvin. Mike is Marvin. Why? Why don't just skip all this? Why do we need this in the episode? Why didn't you just say Marvin at the beginning? But it was the coffee that made you decide to tell him the real name. Kimberly, why do we need any of that scene? We don't. (laughs) We absolutely don't. Okay. We need the second half of that scene, period. So forget Mike. Mike doesn't exist. Well, no, because we get this brilliant part coming up where the detective says, who hired you to do the hits? And Alexander says, a guy I know named Joe. And the detective says, "Okay, I'll be back with that coffee. (laughs) Like no further questions about Joe, his last name. How do you know him? Description, age. Why does Joe want her dead? Where does he live? Was Joe hired by somebody? Got to get that coffee. He'd be a great waiter because he's like, nothing is stopping me from getting this guy his coffee. Here's what's really going on. That detective really wants a coffee. He wants a coffee himself. Yes. So he needs to get out of there. 
Did you say one? You said you wanted coffee. Yeah, but I really want to confess to this crime. No, it's a, we're going to do coffees first for you. So you're comfortable. We're going to do coffees first. So somehow the cops find Joe and we don't know how because they never got his last name. They go to his house and they're sitting around his poker table, which were very good props. I felt like it looked like a poker game had just happened. There were chips and empty beers and stuff. Good job props. Joe says, I asked Alexander to help and he brought in Marvin because Marvin has a gun. We definitely needed a gun. So Joe says, and I was just doing this to kill Elliot for a friend. And I was actually going to drive that night. I was going to drive the two hitmen, even though only one of the hitmen has a gun. It's very confusing because we thought Alexander was the driver. Anyways, he says the night before I backed out and the mastermind stepped in as the driver And then we see who the mastermind was. And it is Ali, Jean-Claude's brother. And so he picks up the guys and he drives them. And he says, that bee is going to get what she deserves. He's very upset. So Joe says that Ali wanted to kill Elliot because she had disrespected the family. And she wanted to take that storefront and sell it. Those were the two big issues here. She was disrespected. So it was totally a front. How was she? It's totally a drug front. 100%. You're right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But also she was the one that was disrespected by her, the brother. Anyways, we don't seem to care about that. Yes. So the two hitmen idiots, even though only one has a gun, shoot five times at Elliot at a distance of about three and a half feet. You've got to be kidding. And they don't kill her. They are so close to her. It's like a yardstick away and they don't kill her and they shoot five times. So that's not great. So the plan obviously did not go well. They arrest Ollie. He says, yeah, I wanted to kill her, but it was to protect myself. Here's my story. Okay. She, Elliot, was involved in Jean-Claude's hit and run. Elliot was behind that. And I think I was going to be next. Bear in mind, Elliot had no reason to kill Jean-Claude. She did not know that he was married to someone else. She had no motive whatsoever. She had plenty of money, nice life, loved her husband for all we can tell. Yeah. But Ollie thinks she did it and she was going to kill him next. But also, yes, he did have another motive. He was mad that she wouldn't pay for the funeral. And he thinks that all that money should go to Betsy and to the family, i.e. him. He wants all the money. So the cops are like, how did you think that you would get some of the money if Elliot was gone? And he doesn't really explain why he thinks that he would get a lot of he's not in the will at all. So it's unclear why he thinks that maybe the family was getting a little. I don't know what he thought. So they arrest all of the dudes involved. Betsy is cleared of anything to do with it, but I'm a little suspicious. (laughs) Mm. I mean, she was clearly working with Ollie. They had a business together and Ollie was team Betsy. I'm pretty sure that Betsy may have been the beauty supply part of that team. And he was more that money transferring part. But he was on team Betsy. I don't know if. Because he needed her to stay with him to keep that front going. I just don't know how they proved 100% that she didn't at least know about the plan. Yeah, I'd like to know that too. But also both of the women are victims in this. 
I don't think that Betsy knew. You don't think Betsy knew? No. I don't think she knew that he was cheating. That's what I mean. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't think she knew that he was cheating. But you think she knew what? I think it's possible she knew what Ollie was planning to do to Elliot. And may not have stopped him. Exactly. Because she hated her. Uh Uh-huh. And she took her money. Yeah, took her to court. Yeah, of course. Hmm. Interesting. They arrest all the dudes involved. In the trial on the stand, Ollie says, the cops set me up. The confession I signed was blank. They set me up. Okay. You signed a blank confession thing? Then you kind of deserve to be there. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, then you can. No, then you. Yeah, you reap what you sow. Mm -mm. But also your brother forged a signature on a divorce decree. So and then you're now saying the cops like had a fake confession thing. Okay, so there's one guy who's he's the prosecutor and he says trying to find some shred of truth in his testimony is like searching through the sewer for little silver coins. I thought that was pretty good. What in the? Okay. I don't know why there would be coins in this sewer. Why are they little? Why are they little? And they're dimes. Why are you searching for little? Co- yeah, just dimes. Dimes? <laughs> I don't know. They're not silver dollars. Why are you searching for dimes? Why wouldn't you be looking for the gold coins like in the fruitcake fraud? No, you're looking for dimes specifically. And why are they in the sewer? People threw them away. They flushed them down the toilet. Just bags of dimes? Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Still, bags of dimes is not that much money. You'd be bummed out. Yeah, especially if you had to dig through the sewer for them. Exactly. It's not, again, the ratio here is not going into the dirty lake because expensive watches are washing up on shore. That seems correct to me. Engraving leeches and stuff. Yes. Check out our Patreon episode for more on that. But someone throwing bags of dimes into the sewer. It's not. What if it's like rolls? You know, the rolls from the bank. But like how many rolls are worth it? Yeah, like one roll is $5 or something. I think it's $5. So you dug through the sewer for that? Maybe if you were really desperate, maybe we sound very elitist that we would not dig through the sewer for $5. Apologies. I don't think people would want to search for, I think a $5 bill that you could but I don't think people want to scoop up because you'd have to scoop the dimes. Sift. You'd have to sift it like the, the gold. You're panning. You're panning for gold. In sewage. I don't think we're sounding elitist. I don't think anybody's going to. I think they're going <laughs> to let the five dollars. So the prosecutor said that Ollie wanted to kill Elliot first and wanted everyone to think it was Betsy. That makes me think Betsy was not involved, that he was maybe going to try to pin it on Betsy, who totally had a motive to kill her. Then he thought, maybe I need to kill Betsy and then maybe I'll need to kill the kids. He is to get this money. He's all over the place. He's being so extra with his kill list now. First, he's team Betsy. And then he's like, I'm probably going to have to kill her, though. And then I'm team her kids getting money, but not. I'm going to have to kill them, too. And then Elliot's kids, too. So just every he's going to kill every family member down the line like he's an heir to the throne and he has to kill everyone above him or something. Did he just kind of lose it? What happened here? I think he lost it. Drugs. Oh, yeah. You beat me to it. So he is found guilty and given eight to 25 years, which is not enough. Why? 
Yeah. Marvin is given 19 years. He was the gunman. Alexander gets 12. Joe only gets one year, the poker player, because he backed out and helped the prosecution. And the lawyer said that if Ollie wasn't behind bars, Elliot would still be at risk. So he's very happy that he got Ollie put away for a while. But he only got eight years, so he's probably out. Eight to 25. I hope he got longer. Yeah. Elliot recovered. She is retired now and she loves her family and she travels and her two kids are doing amazingly. And we don't find out anything about Betsy and her kids. Which does not bode well and I don't appreciate it. I'd like to hear that they're all all right. Because it's literally like Elliot travels and is wonderful. Her daughter graduated from two Ivy Leagues and is an attorney. And her son is getting his master's degree. And we're not going to tell you anything about Betsy or her kids. Okay. That's not right. Uh, And then we find out that the mysterious case of Jean-Claude's hit and run is still an open investigation. They still don't know if that was on purpose a hit and run on purpose or just like a random hit and run and who it was. So what do you think? I honestly have no idea. I think it was, I think Ali might've been involved. That it's possible because he wanted the money. He seems to have been kind of going off the deep end and had weird ideas about how the money was going to get to him. Exactly. He got some bad legal advice. I think he went to that notary and that notary told him, if you kill a bunch of people, yeah, you'll get the money. I think so. So you want to kill your brothers. I feel like maybe it could be something where he thought that he was in the will. Mm-hmm. And maybe he just needed a little money. Mm-hmm. And so he thought that he was going to get maybe, I don't know, 20 grand or something like that. And he needed it to do something to go through on a deal. And so he killed his own brother. I don't know. I feel like he owes a lot of money to a bookie as well. That's the vibe I get. Oh, maybe. Is he owes money to a bookie who is going to break his kneecaps? Who also is a notary? Yes. And has slick hair? Okay. Named Willie? All right. Got it. His name is Willie. And he's going to, I'm going to break you's new kneecaps if you don't pay ups. That was horrible. (laughs) But he opens with use. It's in the first line he says. He says, what can I do for use? <laughs> I just don't think that's that common. I know. I think it's in a very stereotypical, that's how someone from Long Island talks. Oh, by the way, it's not William Shatner that the judge is doing. It's Christopher Walken. That's kind of more what I was doing. It was Christopher Walken. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Sorry. Apologies to Shatner fans. Thank you guys for listening. And I had so much fun doing this episode. This was great. So we're branching out. Look at us. New horizons and such. Yeah. So we're taking suggestions for ID shows specifically because I don't have oxygen. Yes. ID shows that are just wild and fun acting choices and things for us to talk about. And interesting stories. This was a crazy story. Yeah. Wild stories. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Good. I'm so glad you liked it. Enjoyable. Good choice, Kimber. Yay. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Be your own Dr. Dominique. Be your own hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. (laughs) Hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. You want a hot dog?
I knew from the beginning, from the minute we, we see him that scene to the hospital, I was like, oh, but he's a doctor. I'm like, OK, so it's not just cheating. This is going to be the other thing. You did know it was going to be the other thing. I did. I did know this is going to be a twofer. And I was very pleased that I was right. Wow, that's impressive. But we, we haven't found out yet. So actually, probably, Adam, you have to take all that out, even though I am right. And I just wanted Kimberly to know it. Thank you. In my heart. Could you put that at the end so people know that I know? <laughs> I'm going to need some validation after the 21 on all my files. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> now, these are real laughs. You wouldn't even give me a pity text if I text you something <laughs> that I think is funny. And you're like, on to the next thing. <laughs> And then I'll show it to Oliver and I'm like, isn't this funny? And he'll be like, that is funny. And I'm like, yeah, she didn't like it. I gave you, I think, three crying emojis the other day. Three laughing, crying emojis the other day. Oh, yeah, because I winked at you. (laughs) Take what you could get. No, you had a funny joke. I said, "We're we're covering what happened to the beauty queen. And you wrote, she's right here. And I thought that was very funny. That's not funny, though. But it was funny. It's the easiest joke. It's like the lowest hanging fruit. I still thought it was funny. Oh, good. That makes me happy. 